Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Bible, or you can look up on the screen with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 19 through 22. 1 Peter chapter 3, 19 through 22. You know, even though God waited patiently, God has been waiting for you, patiently waiting for you. All the days that Noah built his ship, only a few people were saved then. Eight to be exact. I like this phrase. Let this phrase sink into your heart. Saved from the water by the water. If you're not familiar with the story, this is Noah's Ark. And uh, this was when a flood came in the beginning of Genesis and kind of wiped out a lot of the wickedness and the evil daughter-in-laws. And it was eight people, eight people. It was Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their three daughter-in-laws. And it was eight people in a boat. And, uh, and God saved them from the water by the water. It's a beautiful picture because the only reason that they needed a boat was because the storm came. But the only reason the boat was able to save them is because the water was underneath the boat. And so they were saved from it by it. Sometimes the things in your life that God is saving you from are the very things he's using to save you. It'll make sense in a moment. It'll make sense in a moment. So, so 1 Peter 3, 19 to 22, this is what we're saying when we get baptized. The waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away dirt from your skin, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. In other words, it doesn't matter what you did up until this point. If Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. If Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If Jesus says your past is gone, your past is gone. He got the last word on everything and everyone from angels to armies. He's standing right alongside God and why he says goes. I want to speak to you today on the topic, saved from the water by the water. Saved from the water by the water. You know, I'm a very symbolic person. And when it comes to gifts, I'm a very symbolic gift giver. Now, I know what you're thinking when you hear that. Oh, you're one of those people. One of those, it's the thought that counts people, aka cheap gift giver. I know you. You draw, you draw things and cut out, you know, uh, construction paper and hand it over for balance. I know you. And then, no, I don't mind spending money. But if I'm going to spend money on a gift, I want to make sure that that gift has some symbolism behind it for a reason. Like when I got Liz, her very first Valentine's Day present. Valentine's was always a big one for us. And we were still dating. And I got her some Valentine's gifts. I got her three gifts on the same Valentine's Day. And they all symbolized her personality. I got her chocolate. I got her a Rubik's Cube, and I got her a Starbucks coffee mug. And I, each one of these represented her in some way. So I gave her the chocolate, and I said, here, this is because you're sweet and a little nutty. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't, it had no nuts in it. It had no nuts in it. The second gift was the Rubik's Cube. I said, it's because you're complicated, and I will never figure you out. The third one, this is real. The third one was a Starbucks coffee mug. And I said, and this is because you're expensive. Because she had me bankrupt our first year of dating. I was out of money, man. This is how expensive Pastor Liz's taste is. She is allergic to fake gold. Her DNA. <laughs> like on a genetic level, she's like, nah. <laughs> you know, like, like on a genetic level. You know, and so it's crazy. We don't have any of those other gifts, but she still has, to this day, she still has the, 
the Starbucks coffee mug. And every time we look at it, we remember that Valentine's, which is why symbolism exists in the first place. So every time that you see the symbol again, it brings back memories. This is why God instituted baptism as a sacrament for the church, because he wanted to bring back certain memories in your life. And I think there are two things that the Lord would have you remember today, whether you are getting baptized, whether you don't know it yet, but you're getting baptized, or whether you were baptized 10, 15, 20 years ago when you were 12 years old and you can't even remember it. There's two things God wants you to remember. First thing he wants you to remember, y'all better celebrate on this, you made it through. You made it through. Y'all better celebrate. Peter uses, Peter uses an analogy. He compares the flood of Noah, the water of Noah with the water of baptism. Because you know what both have in common? They didn't drown you. They didn't drown us. In Genesis 1-1, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters, and the waters were chaotic. And until the Lord said, let there be light, and earth formed, the water was chaos. To this day, that symbolism with water gets connected to us. That's why you have myths and legends like the Kraken, or that's why movies in the 80s were made like Jaws. Some of y'all won't even step foot in the ocean because you can't see the bottom, and you don't know what's out there. You be like, ooh, something touched me. It was kelp. Chill out. But you know, you know, you freak out. You're like, I ain't gonna mess with that, right? Because it's because water in its depth and its fullness is scary. Please don't allow the irony to miss on you that the thing that scares you is the thing that God uses to save you. Why would he do that? Because he wants you to remember it. And you remember the scary things you made it through, don't you? Um, a couple friends of ours, we went to Epcot a couple weeks ago, and it was like a crazy, crazy storm. I'm talking about one of them torrential Florida storms that only Floridians know about. And we were all ready and set for it, but there was no, we knew in the moment we got there, it wasn't going to help. We had the poncho, we had the umbrella, but how many people know, how many Floridians know, you can have the poncho and the umbrella, but there's a certain type of rain that hits Florida. It don't come vertical, it don't come diagonal, it looks like it comes from the ground up. It just uppercuts you, and you just have no shot, no chance. We knew at the moment we got there, even though we were all decked out, we were going to get soaked. And before we stepped a foot out from our covering that we were about to leave into Epcot, which is a lot of walking if you've ever been there, I looked at my friends and I said, well, we're going to have one heck of a story after this. Why? Because the worst storms make the best stories, don't they? The things in your life that almost took you out, huh? The things in your life that scared you, the things in your life that you didn't think, the worst storms always make the best stories. In the moment, they're scary. In the moment, you worry. In the moment, you fear. But when you make it to the other side, the season that you look back at with fear, you now look with fondness. I can't believe, you know, it's really easy to look at God and tell him things like, I can't believe you allowed that to happen to me. Can't believe you took away my dad. Can't believe you, in- you allowed me to get introduced to drugs at such a young age. Can't believe you allowed me to lose my wife. Can't believe you allowed my kid to get sick. Can't believe they were born with a disability. Can't believe I ran out of money. I can't believe you allowed that person to touch me in that way. And, and, and you can look at him and it can be really easy to blame him for all the things that went wrong in your life. Amen. That's real easy to do. But you know what else is real easy to do if you think about it? To look at that same season and think, I don't know how I got through it. I don't know how I survived it. I don't know how you pulled me through it. I should be dead right now. I should be in a mental institution somewhere right now. I should be passed out in an right now. I should be sick right now. But somehow the thing that drowned everybody else, how is it that I am flowing on top of what drowned everybody else? How is it that I have not sunk yet? What should have drowned me? Somehow I'm floating on. Good God. Good God. You know, that's why baptism is actually, it's a symbol. 
And it's, it's, it's a symbolism of that very idea. You know, I hope this doesn't freak anybody out that's about to get baptized right now. Like, don't let this scare you. It's just an observation. You know, when I put you in the water, I could keep you there. Like, I ain't trying to freak any, anybody out, but, but I, could, I could, right? But, but I wouldn't. If you're thinking about getting baptized, I won't. That's not how this works. I, but, but at the same time, I'm your pastor. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one who's supposed to care for you. Why would I put you in it? Listen, I'm putting you in it, but here's the image. Please catch it. That the same person who puts you in it pulls you out of it. The same person who allowed it is the same person who saves you your bitterness. If you choose to stay in your anger, if you choose to stay in your unbelief, don't blame God for choosing to stay in the water. Because he can do a lot for you, but he can't force you to come out of what you want to stay in. Don't drown in your desperation. Don't drown in your distress. Don't drown in your discouragement. Decide today to allow Jesus to get you through. One of the first people, the first person to ever get baptized in the history of Journey Church, his name was Rick Perez. Back then, we had a little baby pool. Is Rick in this service? He usually comes to the 12 or he watches online. Rick, Rick uh, he serves on our serve team, uh, outreach team. Oh, he's all up there. Rick, you up there? You remember when you got baptized, bro? It was, uh, <laughs> it was um, he serves on our campus, our pastoral care team. We didn't know how to baptize people because it was the first time we'd ever done it. And we had a little baby pool because we couldn't afford one of these tanks. And so Rick got in the water and he kneeled. That seemed appropriate. And then when I got him, it was like for a second, I forgot the physiology of human beings because I didn't think it through. I grabbed his hand in this position. And I went. All I heard was clack, 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 clack. I don't know what a lumbar is, but it broke in that moment. Do you remember that? We still laugh about it. I snapped him in half. Um, since then, we've, we've learned and we've made lessons. We coach the people who are getting baptized. And so we tell them this now. When you're about to go in the water, first off, legs out. <laughs> Secondly, put your hand on your nose. Pastor JJ will grab your hand. He's going to hold on to you. When Pastor JJ holds on to your hand, you hold on to his hand. And you won't drown because not only are you holding on to him, but he's holding on to you. I came to tell somebody today, whatever God puts you in, as long as you hold on to him, he's going to hold on to you. And whatever he puts you through, he's going to get you through. He's going to get you right back out of it. Which is why for those who think that they don't have the strength, that they don't have the ability to get through their situation, of course you can't. But you didn't just make it through. You made it through Jesus. You made it through salvation. You made it through grace. I wonder if there's anybody in this room who made it through Jesus because Jesus helped them get through the funeral. Jesus helped them get through the foreclosure. Jesus Jesus helped them get through the divorce. Jesus helped them get through the mental breakdown. Jesus helped that person get through. You made it through. But why put me in the water in the first place? I was just fine, all dry. Something died. Jesus to save you because as much pain, pressure, and panic a trial brings over your life, it also serves a positive purpose. And any parent who has little kids know this when it comes to bedtime, when it comes to bath time. Have you ever tried to give a four-year-old a bath? you would think you were torturing that person. Bath time. No! I took a bath yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah, bro. That's how it works. <laughs> Every day we take baths. No, I hate you. Why won't you take a bath? I'm just upset. I want to watch TV. I don't like it. I don't want... 
But any good parent is not going to allow the crying, is not going to allow the screaming, is not going to allow the complaining to keep you from doing in the person whose life you love. It's not going to keep you, because as much as you care about their happiness and as much as you care about their comfort, you care more about their health. And I want you to know, as parents, no matter how much they cry, we put them in the bathtub because we know that there are some invisible things growing on their bodies. And if we, things called germs. And if we don't put soap and water on them, those germs are going to grow to get them sick. I'm telling you that no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you complain, no matter how angry you get at the Lord, he loves you too much to not put you in the water because he's got to get off some invisible things that have been growing on you. Things like lies, things like insecurity, things like worry, things like self-limiting beliefs, things that can only fall off your life through the trial of the water, through the storm. Do you know that some things in your life only come off through difficulty. You'll make it through it, but something will die in the process. You know what my first ministry job was? It wasn't preaching. My first ministry job wasn't youth directing or youth pastoring. It wasn't on the worship team. It wasn't even a greeter. My first job in ministry was custodian. I cleaned the toilets. I, I, I had to wash dishes all the time. Every time there was a meal, my pastor kept picking me to wash the dishes. I'm traumatized from washing dishes. I can't wash another dish right now. We got a dishwasher. If that breaks, nobody washing dishes, okay? Because I've done it for years and years. And I would ask my pastor why he always makes me do the grunt work and the embarrassing work. He told me it's because one day God's going to do something big in your life. And when that day comes, I don't want your head to get big too. So he would always put me in the embarrassing roles. Whenever there was a drama, he would always me hang. He would always have me hanging on the cross naked as Jesus, 23 years humble. I need you to be humble. I want you to. Are you catching it? You're gonna make it through, but something's gonna die. When I got married, something died. <laughs> when I got married, something died on the inside. You know what it was? My selfishness. My friend Charlie told me when I was in the room. He said, "Hey, are you nervous?" Like, do you think you married the wrong person or anything like that? And I was like, I'm nervous, but not because of that. I know I married the right person. I'm nervous because now I have to keep another person alive. Yeah. Now I have other people to worry about. Now if the zombie apocalypse comes, I can't just run. <laughs> I got to pack a bag, you know? Now I got to make sure she with me. Grab the kid, the zombies are coming, let's go! I can't just go anymore. My selfishness died. When the church started, 400 people showed up on launch day. The very next, well, four months later, we were down to 120 people. I don't know what was happening. The church was growing in reverse. It was like the rapture while we were still here. They were leaving one by one. So heartbroken. I, it was a tough season to get through. I thought I had missed God's call in my life. I thought I wasn't good at what God had asked us to do. But God had to put me through that so that something can die inside of me. You know what died inside of me? My vain ambition. Now I can stand in front of a church and be like, that's cool, 4,000 people on Easter, that's cool, 223 decisions of Christ, but he never put me in this to start a big church. I'm just doing this because he asked me to. I'm just being obedient. And if half of y'all decide to not come back next week, I'll still be here. If four of y'all to come next week, I'll still be here because I'm not here to build anymore. I'm here to obey. And then when the church started growing, people started coming, but people also started leaving. That was really sad. People you thought that you would do life with forever and ever. And that challenged me, but it was a thing I needed to go through. And I made it through because you know what needed to die in me? The man-pleasing spirit. 
I understood that as the church grew, I wasn't gonna make everybody happy. And so once again, I had to come back to just do what God had asked me to do. And now when trials come, I'm asking you, if you're in a season right now, don't freak out. Don't be surprised. Ask yourself, what is God trying to kill inside of me? That's why I'm going through this. Don't be surprised. First Peter 4, 12 to 13, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be, don't be surprised when you gotta take a bath. <laughs> it's part of it. Next verse, instead, be very glad. For these trials are making you partners with Christ in his suffering. So you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Let me just translate that for you. What he's saying is when you get baptized, it's just like Jesus. Everyone who's getting baptized, you're going in the water just like Jesus went into the grave. But when you come out of the grave in the same way, when you come out of the water in the same way Jesus left behind sin and death, you leave behind your old you. You come in the water and the old you dies. And when you come out of the water, the new you is born. You go in and you come out. And remember that when Jesus came out of the grave, he had changed so much that not even Mary, who was the closest to him, could recognize him. What I'm trying to tell you today is what God does in your life is going to change you so dramatically that not even the people who are closest to you will recognize you. I don't recognize that smile. I don't recognize that joy. I don't recognize that joy. Usually when we're at the bar, you have like four drinks and now you have one. I don't recognize you. I don't recognize that kind of happiness that they can, that you can have a good time and not be high. You can have a good time and not be tripping on some pills. That's amazing. I don't even, who are you? When you come home and you start cleaning up in the house, your wife is going to be like, who are you? <laughs> and what have you done with my husband? I'm changed. I'm transformed. I care more about others than I do myself. Jesus is going to change you in a way that those around you will not even recognize you anymore. That's the promise of salvation. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Every head but every eye closed. I can remember, or not remember, but I wonder. I wonder if when the rain started to fall in Noah's time, I wonder how fast Noah and his family ran to the ark. They ran because they knew that's where salvation was. If you're in this room today and you have not made a decision to follow Christ and there's trouble raining on you, hear me, run to Jesus like Noah's family ran to that boat. He is your salvation. He is your, your grace. He is the one who rescues you. He is the one who pulls you out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Run to him today. All over this room, I'm not gonna ask you to come up. I'm not gonna ask you to get baptized. I'm gonna ask you if you recognize that you need to give your life back to Jesus. You're far from him. On the count of three, all I want you to do is raise your right hand and I'm not gonna ask you to stand or anything like that. Just want you to make a commitment to the Lord today. I'm running to him because this trouble is on my life and I know that it sent me so that I can come to him from the water, by the water. If that's you on three, raise your right hand all over this building. Father, we love you and we thank you. If, if that's you, when I say three, shoot your right hand high. One, Jesus is pulling on your heart. Two, it's time to change, it's time to transform, it's time to be unrecognizable. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus on three, shoot your right hand high. One, two, three, all over this room. Come on, ma'am, I see that hand. Ma'am, I see that hand, sir, I see that hand, I see that hand. Sir, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand in the back, I see that hand. Go ahead, put your hand down. So many people saying yes to Jesus today because he's the one who can change your life. Keep your head down, keep your eye closed. All over this room, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord, thank you for the storm because if it wasn't for the rain, I wouldn't be here today. Thank you for the trouble because the trouble brought me to you. Here I am. Open the ark 
future. Take my past. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Would you give it up for everyone who raised their hand today? Welcome home. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.